0: Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy.
1: We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age.
0: This is Parenting Bites.
2: Hey there and welcome to Parenting Bites. Uh, This is Andrea Smith and today I'm with Amy Oztan offsite. We're kind of doing a live podcast event. We are at a Lunch and Learn uh, put on by the Consumer Technology Association and Techlicious, our friends from Techlicious. And um, we've had some wonderful tips on taking holiday photos. So we're going to be talking with um, Alex Budstowski from Nikon, and uh, we'll get some tips and tricks for you taking your holiday photos, and then we'll do our Bites of the Week. Excellent. Hey, so we've learned a lot at our Lunch and Learn. Certainly, I learned more about uh, taking photos than I have since my high school photography courses. <laughs> you took a photography?
1: <laughs> I you're, did. You're a step ahead of me.
2: I took photography because we didn't have to take biology.
1: You got to swap in photography for biology? In New York City private school. <laughs> wow, well, I thought I was lucky because I got to swap music theory for math. Oh, my gosh. But I like math, so that that wasn't really great. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that was really informative. We just heard a lot from Alex about... Um, different tips for taking photos, and we wanted to share them. So
2: I want to welcome Alex Podstowski, and I do hope I'm saying your name properly. You
0: absolutely are. One of the one of the rare times that's worked out so far. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's difficult when you have a name like Smith, like me. So, um, you know, we talk a lot about pictures. We talk about, you know, taking pictures of the kids and, and how to do this. And, and um, you shared with us some interesting tips. So I just want to go over some stuff with you, um, you know, because... There really is a difference between taking a quick snapshot and a really beautiful portrait, isn't there?
0: I would agree, absolutely. Um, To be fair, I mean, a, a great portrait can happen as quickly as a, as a simple snapshot can, um, but a lot of times, the more effort you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. So, lens selection, background selection, how bright or dark, of course, whether you use a flash or not, um, there are lots of things that can influence how a portrait photo ultimately looks. Um, among the most important, I think, would be lens selection, for example. If you were to go with a, a prime lens, that's a lens that doesn't zoom, um, they, they can be had for relatively low low cost, and it still have extremely low F numbers. Uh, low F numbers referencing an f-stop here is basically how big the aperture opens and the part of this that's especially relevant is that dictates somewhat how blurry the background is. Um, there's a few other variables that go into this, but just simply the longer the focal length, the more telephoto a lens is, the better it'll help blur a background out most of the time, and the lower the f number is, the better it'll help to blur a background. Now, Let, the,
2: Let's stop there for a second and just break it down. Let's talk about the lenses themselves for, for, sure. okay. for a moment. Okay, We've got wide angle, we've got telephoto, mm-hmm. we've got people here about Zoom, uh, fish eye. Can you give us just a sense of a couple of different, like if somebody were buying a new camera Mm -hmm. and wanted to get an additional lens, what what would they look for and what do they do?
0: Well, typically, most of the cameras that a a person would buy, if they buy the lens that comes with it, they'll typically have a a wide-angle to short telephoto sort of a kit zoom. Um, A zoom lens is a lens that changes its focal length you know, by turning one of the rings. Um, now, very often a second lens for most people would be a telephoto lens. That's a lens that, that zooms in farther, essentially. Uh, here's a way to think of this. is A wide angle lens is actually very good naming, almost, because a wide angle lens does exactly what its name says it does. It sees at a wide angle of view. Now, with a telephoto lens, it, it appears to bring a distant thing closer, but what it really is doing is it's narrowing down that angle of view. So, if you think of a wide angle lens and a telephoto lens as being inverse of one another, that's how they're inverses. The wide angle sees a Wide angle, the telephoto sees a very narrow angle. Now, the part where this gets really fun, though, is when you're doing portraits. Um, very often, people just think about their subject. They just look at the subject they're photographing, and they completely forget about the background. When I did a lot of weddings in the past, I found many times I have to I'd have a wedding party in front of a chain link fence, or you know, in front of a used car dealership, or something like it was. These were not the most idyllic weddings one could shoot. And so, what I had to learn very quickly was if I shot a wide angle lens, I got the the whole group of people and all of the stuff I didn't want the background. If I shot a lens without a very low F number, I would get very, the the background would also be in focus in addition to being distracting. What I found though is that by shooting a telephoto lens, I'm narrowing down my angle sufficiently that I can find a simple background that doesn't have to be that big. For example, a person standing in front of a single Christmas tree shot with a telephoto lens, you might have the person looking excellent and the entire background is just that tree. But if you go with a wide angle lens, you'll have the person, that tree, and everything around that tree. Hmm. And that can be a lot more distracting. That's
2: a great example. And that's actually a great tip. If somebody wants to take pictures of the kids, you know, in front of the Christmas tree, a telephoto gives you that same shot but kind of narrows it a little bit.
0: Exactly. It narrows your background down. It means that instead of having a distracting background, like um, not just the tree, for example, which might look really nice, but maybe also a vacuum cleaner in the corner, mm-hmm. a cat sitting around, like a bunch of chairs, this would narrow it down so you're only getting the background you want. Um, with a wide angle lens, on the other hand, you can show a lot of context. So let's say that it's a kid's first day of school, or maybe at a birthday party. If you want to just show what the birthday party looks like in a very high fashion portrait kind of way, you might still do a television photo lens just to show just the person maybe blowing out some birthday candles. Realistically, that's not the shot a lot of people want. They want to see everybody at the table. They want to see what's going on. Without a wide-angle lens makes a lot of sense. You'll still get the person in the shot, of course, but you'll also see all the people around them. Now with a wide-angle lens, one very important consideration is distortion. When you get close to a subject, it tends to distort more, and very often the tendency on wide-angle lenses is to get closer. So if you are close with a wide-angle lens, especially the subjects in any of the corners of your photograph, you can expect they'll like get somewhat distorted. They might appear to stretch almost in the shot, where the telephoto lenses actually reproduce in a way that's much less distortion. So that's why a lot of telephoto lenses start at 85 millimeters and higher than that. Um, You can get away with a 50 millimeter lens very well, though. Uh, The millimeter is the focal length reference. It's how zoomed in or wide angle it looks. And 50 is just about what one eye would see open. 85 is a little bit more zoomed in than that.
1: So if if you can only afford to get one good lens and you spend most of your time taking pictures of your is that okay. what you would recommend? That
0: range? It really depends kind of on what you want the pictures to look like. For example, if your kids play a lot of sports and you know that a lot of the best pictures of your kids are going to be at a distance, then a telephoto lens makes a lot more sense than a, a good prime for mm-hmm. portraiture. For example, a 70-300 to would be a good telephoto zoom lens that, that is very popular with most of our cameras as a second kit lens. In fact, a lot of times if you can get um, a kit lens like an 1855 with it, you can usually get that other lens bundled with it at a very good price. The So basically if you are trying to shoot sports or anything at a distance, a telephoto lens like that, and a telephoto zoom especially, is going to be very convenient and likely going to get you what you want. However, if you want to do something where it's just a single person or maybe two people in a photograph, and the background is so blurry you can't tell what was back there. Maybe that's Christmas lights that become beautiful glowing orbs, or maybe it's a distracting background that just generally disappears. A lens like an 85 1.8 or 51.8 can do a very good job in blurring that background out. Now, the ultimate true best case scenario is not the one I'm really proposing for this and that's that would be to shoot a lens like a 70-200 to 2.8 that has both that has both the telephoto and it has the low light performance that yields an extremely blurry background that you can truly narrow down the angle of view on however this is a fairly expensive and very heavy lens to most people so mm-hmm. although I, I love shooting it it's not what I would necessarily recommend for most, probably most people probably not like what the yeah.
1: average yeah. exactly
0: this, is the, this is the lens that pulls up next to you and you go what on earth is that thing that looks expensive and yeah. that's, that's that lens that I'm thinking of but a 70-300 would be fantastic for sports, a fifty-one point eight would be fantastic for portraiture. And an eighty five one point eight might be even a little better. It would help uh, get you a slightly shallower depth of field. It's one of my favorite lenses for portraiture.
1: And so what are some of your tips for taking taking pictures of your kids in different situations? Like if you did want to take pictures of them in sports, I know that I had a very, very crappy camera when my kids were younger and actually did sports and I never got great pictures. What mode do you want it on and what are some tips for really making the best of those shots that you don't know are coming? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, continuous right there is, I think, the best way to help solve that continuous. problem. Continuous. Yeah, continuous shooting, um, where the where if you hold down the shutter, the camera continues firing frame after frame. Uh, most of our DSLRs will shoot at least five frames per second in full resolution. So that is more than fast enough, in my opinion, to get most things you would ever need. I was doing sports and photojournalism things with three frames per, uh, per second back on a D70 e years ago. So at five, I think that would right there help to ensure you generally get the shot you don't expect sure. versus missing the shot. Um, and that is if you take multiple frames of course of the of the subject that something interesting's happening. Let us say it's a soccer kick and they're, you know, trying to kick for a goal. If you just fire one frame, then you just have the one. But if you fire a series of frames, the frame you initially took might not be as interesting as the one that you didn't expect that you get a few pictures in. So that's why I like shooting continuous it's not film. You don't have to worry about changing film or developing every shot. So my goal We're is always to they, develop a <laughs> whole Exactly. Yep, that is exactly. (laughs) And hoping for one shot like I used to
1: do. And my tip is that (laughs) if you do shoot continuous, you sit down right after the game and pick (laughs) the few good shots that you want, or you're going to wind up with seventy thousand pictures that you Mm -hmm. never go through.
0: Just back pick the
2: one or two and and then get rid of the rest.
0: This is true, without a doubt.
2: Can you talk about light a little bit? You you know um, using natural Mm -hmm. light. Oh,
0: yes. You had a
1: fantastic tip about using the flash in daylight. Can you you tell us about that?
0: The (laughs) flash in daylight is one of those interesting, almost paradoxical situations, because for most people they think flash, they think brightness, they think light. And of course, when do you need light, it's when you don't have it. But realistically, one of the best times to actually use a built-in flash on a camera, or a flash in general on a camera, would be in bright sunlight. And with bright sunlight, you often get very high contrast and and shadows on your subject that may not really render them very well. For example, if you have the sun behind you, so looking into the sun, you're going to get a great, well-exposed photo of the person looking pretty pained by going nearly blind as that's, they're looking into the sun. And that's so, what all of the advice right. says to do, is face yeah. them
2: towards the sun exactly. so in the, light. Put the, and, yep, then put the your and then tell them to keep their eyes closed until you say three, yeah, and then yeah. open them. <laughs> and if you want to
0: see what somebody looks like when they first wake up, that is a great way to do that sort of photography. <laughs> um, what I've, and this is this comes from experience of having done a lot of portraiture at weddings and just in general, um, with people out in wide varieties of situations. And it was interesting, cause originally I did stick with that original photo advice of keep the sun on my back and get my subjects, it, you know, looking right at me and thereby into the sun. Really doesn't work out so well in my experience at least in that I very often find people are very you know blinking cringing even behind sunglasses you can still see the crow's feet developing as they're pinching and that's like 20 year olds you know what I mean like this is not this is just one of those things that happens Um, what I found though is that if you then put them 90 degrees to the Sun you have the Sun off to one side you've just about doubled your problems you still have the original problem of they're they're looking into a very bright light source but even though they're only looking into it with one eye their eyes are still linked via the brain so they're still squinting so you have the Sun on one side you have just many problems and they have an exposure problem to figure out
1: and, and but you and know. now like aren't you shading half their face A- and with that's, their nose? that's
0: exactly what I mean so now you've got even that to deal with which really isn't going to help so the way I've learned to shoot is I, I much prefer to have the sun at my subjects back I try not to necessarily put it in the frame I don't necessarily want to you know have anything like that you don't want like um, that flare well actually I found our lenses really don't flare very often um, they'll flare sometimes if dirty they'll flare with an older non-coated filter on front of them um, but very often they don't flare very much if at all now, anything with the N nano crystal coat um, almost doesn't flare at all. It's, it's extremely well suppressed against flare. But anyway, um, the reason I don't like the sun in my shot is partially that sometimes, but also I just don't necessarily want to have to actually look at the sun while I'm taking a <laughs> portrait of somebody. You know, it's it's eye it, strain to the max. Um, but what I'm get, basically getting at is that to put the sun behind them means that they're no longer pained. And your pain isn't going to show up on the camera. Their pain definitely <laughs> will. So it is more important at that point almost to make sure they're comfortable and they're not, you know, looking directly into a nuclear inferno in the sky, and so that they can actually look like a normal person again. You pop the flash up to fill in the shadow that's now caused on their face, and they have a really well-exposed photo. They're Hmm. glowing a little bit from backlight. Everything else looks normal, and they don't look terrible. I would never
1: think to do that. No, never. And how do you get your flash to go off in daylight?
0: Okay, now that's one where you'll have to venture away from the the safety of auto, um, but it won't be as scary as it might sound. What I would recommend starting with is a mode called Program. That's P on the camera. You'll see on our DSLRs, there's P, S, A, M. Those are various manual modes. P is program mode, which is, although it is considered one of the manual modes, it's figuring out your exposure for you. So you don't have to learn the numbers. You don't have to, it's not going to be a math test. Um, Just go to the P mode and then there's a little lightning bolt looking thing on the side of your flash. Lightning bolt with an arrow on the end. That's the symbol we use uh, for flash. So when you push that button, the flash should pop up. When the flash pops up, it will fire. Well, when you fire the camera, of course, it will fire. Um, If you put the flash down, it won't pop up on its own. So you've ever done that dance where you go halfway down the shutter to get something in focus and the flash pops up? Mm -hmm. But you don't want the flash, you push the flash down, and you're bouncing between the two fingers of take the picture, flash pops up, no never mind, push the flash down, take the picture, flash pop, and so on. Uh, Go to either auto with no flash, which is right next to auto, it's just a little lightning bolt with the circle and the line through it, or go to a mode like uh, P or any of the other single letter modes, and then the flash will do what you tell it to.
1: Okay, so that's a good way to to get you away from automatic mode and Mm -hmm. give you a little bit of control. Without diving
0: right into the numbers and things manual. Right, right.
1: Excellent. And then you were talking before, let's go back to it. You were talking about aperture and f-stop. And I know that that's very confusing for a lot of people, but it's one of the most useful things that you can do. Like if you want to get a great shot of somebody close by and you want everything behind them blurred, let's see if I get this right that's when you want the f-stop number to be lower.
0: Exactly. Yay me! Yeah, you you nailed it like it's I I understand that aperture and f-stop can be a sort of a tricky topic because it has sort of an inverse relationship to what one might expect. You'd almost expect the bigger the number the better it is in low light but that's exactly the opposite. The bigger the number the more resistance almost it has to that light. So the lower the number the better it sees in the dark and the lower the number the smaller the zone of focus.
1: The, The way I try to remember it is the bigger the f-stop number, the bigger the number of things that'll be in focus.
0: That's a good way to think. That's of it. a good Absolutely. way too. Because
2: I keep, yeah. I remember the mm-hmm. lower the number, the better in the dark. But that also mm-hmm. means you have to either be super still or be on a, using a tripod, right?
0: Somewhat. It would be smart to do so. Always smarter to be on a tripod mm-hmm. in the dark than it is not to be, mm-hmm. because it will help you get much more stability out of your shots. However, realistically, if you go to a low enough f-number, you might have enough light now getting to the sensor on the camera that you can produce a high enough shutter speed where you don't have to actually use a tripod. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Technology like VR, which stabilizes the shot, can also help with the thing. So, wait, so
1: that's interesting. I don't want to blow past that because that's really interesting because most of the time you can't bring a tripod with you. So, Mm -hmm. if you've got a lens that can go to a really, really small f-stop, you can you're less likely to need the tripod? Did right. I get that right?
0: Essentially, yes. So let's say that oh, I've got okay. a, a kit lens. That might be a, a 4.5 to 5.6. Five, Not a bad range at all. Pretty standard these days. But now let's say I've got a le- another lens similar range as a 2.8. That 2.8 is letting through four times the amount of light of a 5.6. What that means is my shutter speed can be about a quarter of the amount of time that it would have been. So let's say that I was looking at taking a, a well, let's say it was a, a 15th of a second exposure on that 5.6. 15th of a second doesn't sound like a whole lot of time, but if you're trying to hold something perfectly still, that is actually quite a long yeah. time to do so. Yeah. Um, vibration reduction can help, even in that range, quite a lot, but I find that, it, I mean, a tripod of course would solve the problem too, yeah. um, but the 2.8 lens would take it from a 15th of a second to a 60th of a second without ISO or anything else needing to really be different. And now you'll have less in focus at 2.8 than you would at 5.6, which might mm-hmm. be a desirable characteristic anyway. But the point being that when you have a lens that lets in more light like that, you don't necessarily need a tripod because it will see better in the low light as is, so you won't necessarily need the stability
1: Okay, and then to go to the op- opposite direction. that's on Amy's wish list yes. now. That's on Amy's wish list now. And then to go in the opposite direction, if you're taking a picture of your family in front of the Golden Gate Bridge and you want to make okay. sure that they're yeah. in focus and the bridge is in focus, that's when you want the F mm-hmm. stop up all the way.
0: Well, not quite all the way, um, but but similar idea, yes. Okay. So the, that's when you would want to have a higher F number, mm-hmm. and that would mean mean more things are in focus. Um, but the, here's an interesting thing to know. It's something called a fraction. So this is about getting your best image quality. Generally, anything F16 or higher, you're going to start to really lose image sharpness. And this isn't a Nikon or any brand kind of a thing. This is just physics at this point. Um, and it's something known as refraction. So what happens here is that as you go to a higher and higher F number, anything 16 or higher, a very general rule here, but about that, um, I find that you lose image s- sharpness overall. More and more things will be in focus, but all of it will be less sharp. Now, I'd say you can go up to just about 16 without this happening. And this is this is really the, the most fine like tuning, minute, nitpicking, kind of the level of detail I'm talking about. As in, if you're just the type of person to shoot, makes eight by tens or put stuff up on your phone or online, you're never going to see this difference. But if you are the type of person that wants to make a twenty by thirty or bigger and things like that, that's where this sort of thing can become more of a factor. Oh, okay,
1: excellent. All, All right,
2: right, so we will we'll get. We're, we're going to have a lot of tips. In yeah, Alex is going to provide us, or, and and Techlicious will as well provide us with a whole list of tips and tricks for great holiday photos that we can share with everyone. And Alex, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me. Thanks, Thanks. Nikon mm-hmm. for us. <laughs> and
2: do. next up our bites of the week.
0: You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy
2: back with our Bites of the Week. That was actually really, really lots of information. That was a lot
1: of information packed into a small amount of yeah, 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 so we'll, to have to, we'll have
2: to digest it. So um, I'm gonna go first. Nah, nee, nah. Nee. <laughs> all right, you can go first. No, you go first. <laughs> well, mine is kind of photography related because everyone, Now you know, we were talking about real cameras here, but everyone talks to me all the time about it. how do I get my pictures off my iPhone? You know, particularly yes. people who only have 32 gigabytes of space or even 16 on the older phones. They forget to back up, get their pictures off, and don't have room to take more pictures or videos. So my new favorite gadget is from SanDisk, who we've talked about before yeah. with their awesome micro SD cards. The iExpand Base. So now we've we've had these on a flash drive.
1: Oh, it's a, like you go home and put it so in So
2: get ready for this. It's a base, you plug it into the wall, you plug your phone into it to charge your phone, which <gasps> I do three times a day, charging up my phone and it automatically backs up all your photos and videos every time you charge your phone.
1: Wow.
2: So you never have to think about it. You
1: don't have to do a thing because you're always going to go home and charge
2: your phone. Yeah, I mean all day long I charge it, but I'm always at night gonna plug it in, charge it up, the end of, uh, that when that's charging, it automatically backs up, it's got 15 watts of power, so it actually is fast charging too. But the cool thing is, it's of course, got an app so you can choose whether you want the photos to all stay on your phone or whether you want them to automatically delete or whether you want to just keep some of them on your phone total control but you never forget to back up your photos
1: that's fantastic i need that it's only for iphone right
2: only for iphone right now but android could be coming soon okay i really hope so because
1: i love their stuff Um, Mine is also photography related, and I bought this a few weeks ago, and I've been using it a lot. Um, It's called the Limo Studio Ring Light. And I'm not even necessarily endorsing this particular brand. This is just the one that I happen to buy. Um, But lots of companies make them, I think there's a popular one called Diva Light that a lot of the the beauty and fashion bloggers use. And if you find yourself um, doing a lot of videos, you know, maybe your kids, I know my daughter loves to do YouTube videos, and she used to steal every light in the house and put it on her, like, you know, the light would be gone from the piano and from my bedside table. This is a fantastic light. They're usually, and you can get, mine was under $100. Mm-hmm. You can get ones that are much more expensive than that. Um, but they're fantastic lights. They're, it's in a ring. And you can even mount your camera right in the middle of the ring if you want. Oh, so cool. that wherever your camera's pointing, the light is pointing. And it just gives you this really gorgeous light that wipes out blemishes and just makes it it's wild. Well it's, it's funny, that's what Alex was
2: talking about. You yeah. know, about how the softer light yep. gets rid of the harsh lines. Yeah,
1: and, and it's you know, if if you like to do Facebook Live and things like that, you can just mm-hmm. park yourself right in front of this thing. I swear how I big is it? It's, I'd say it's about a, I'd say about 14, 15 inches across. Oh, okay. And it comes on a very high tripod. Um, and, and you can, uh, you know, put it as high or as low as you want. And it's, the, the thing is, they're just so simple to use. Hmm. That's the, the great That's thing awesome. about them. You just like basically expand the tripod, stick it on there, and turn it on. Um, so they're really easy to use. They're not super expensive. And they just make you look so good. It took like 15 or 20 years off of me When I did some some practice shots, yeah, some pictures. Yeah. I that's find great. I need to
2: find on. one of those because whenever I'm on doing a TV segment, I mean those lights that's, are awesome. That's you know, what I'm they, always like. Woohoo! So take great. my picture. I look awesome. Exactly. That's and then I look at so myself ready. at home in the mirror and I'm going, wait a minute.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> so
2: that's a good is, idea. I'm going to yeah, check it out.
1: Cheap and easy solution.
2: All right, well, that is our show for this week. Lots of great photography tips from uh, you and me and from our friends at Nikon and Techlicious and the Consumer Technology Association. We'll be back next week uh, with Rebecca in the studio. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on Facebook and um, on iTunes and Play.it. And we'll see you no, next week. No, not Play.it. Oh, not Play.it. No,
1: radio.com. Ah. Yeah. We, we've merged. We've changed. Awesome. Yeah. No okay. More, no more Play.it. We'll we'll put there you a go. link to the new site. And um, we'll put a link to this and everything else. Everything else. You can else. find us uh, online in many, many different places, but also radio.com.
2: Awesome. All right. See you next week. Bye.